Hey, it has been a weekend and we are back. We have a lot of player movement to talk about. Players who were designated for assignment, non-tendered. Uh, essentially, the players who could help a team. Maybe Cleveland, some old friends alerts, some big names. We'll get into all of them on today's episode of Locked On Guardians. You are Locked On Guardians. Your daily podcast on the Cleveland Guardians. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Locked On Guardians. I want to thank you for making Locked On Guardians your first listen today and every day, wherever it is you get podcasts. Uh, I am one of your co-hosts, Jeff Ellis. Uh, formerly of many, a Cleveland sports blog and primarily a draft and prospect writer, mostly probably now known for this podcast. Uh, Justin, give him your bona fides. Uh, well, seems that nobody cares where we used to work, but I will tell you I am currently the managing editor of GuardiansBaseballInsider.com, and I am currently the co-host of this podcast with you. So we'll just leave it at that and get to the news. That's what people want. Luke Maley. Uh, I got a lot of questions. Why now? Why was he cut at this point? Why was he not cut earlier in the process? Why didn't they just let him go um, over, you know, any of the other players? Like, why not keep McCarty on the roster if you're going to let go of Melee? Uh, well, one of the reasons is McCarty, they just completely let go. They didn't even keep him in the minors. I think they were kind of waiting to see what happened, how things shook out. I don't know if... Uh, this means anything in depth. I don't think there's necessarily a player they're targeting or someone they saw who was left unprotected in a rule five list that they're looking to maybe protect. But uh, yeah, I think it was just, they didn't want to pay him a million plus. Yeah. I, I have a feeling they weren't going to pay him that money anyway, but um, probably waiting to see how things materialized. I mean, who knows? Maybe somebody would, they had trade talks, you know, regarding him. Maybe somebody else wanted to trade for him. Um yeah, I and mean, obviously they didn't have anybody else in their 40 man roster they wanted to protect. Otherwise, they would have, you know, sacrificed his spot for them. So obviously they were good with what they had. Um, just give a couple extra days to make the decision whether that was, you know, looking to see if somebody was interested in Melee for a trade or looking to see who they could acquire or who they might have traded away. Who knows? They might have had a lot of conversations going on regarding a number of, of players on their own roster and somebody else's roster. So. I think it just came down to extra time to make decisions. Yeah, when 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 those things happen, they always want as much time as they can to make the right decision. And they ended up making the obvious one at the end. Yeah, I mean, you can kind of look at the Tucker Barnhart deal from a year ago as like the example of what they were looking for. Because yes, Maley's offense was a little up and down, but he wasn't, you know, a bad player by any means this past year. And 81 runs created plus. 5.9 defensive runs saved. He was worth nearly a win in limited time. So yeah, they probably wanted to see if anyone uh, decided they needed a backup catcher and Cleveland, you know, just wasn't willing to pay. They weren't going to pay the mailman. He did not deliver enough for them. Uh, whatever pun I can throw in. Uh, I mean, do you have any other thoughts other than this pretty much guarantees they're going to bring in a vet somehow, some way? Yeah. I mean, that was obvious before, even if they kept Luke Maley on the roster, it was hard to see them, going into 2023 with Luke Maley and Bo Naylor. I didn't think that was ever going to be the case anyway, but now for sure they'll have to, there's going to be some external acquisition, whether it's a backup to Bo Naylor and they give him the keys to the kingdom, or if they bring in someone to, to play in tandem or they 
you know, give Bo Naylor some extra seasoning at AAA, which I know people are upset about, but I don't, I don't think is that crazy. I mean, yes, he had a fantastic season last year. Um, but there just aren't a lot of catchers that start on opening day from day one. I know he had what, 10 days in the majors last year at the end of the year and had like three at bats. Um, that's not a lot. And that's not to say those, those days weren't valuable, but there aren't a lot of teams that, that start rookies on opening day at catcher Cleveland, has not been one of them for quite some time. I think we've discussed before. I can't remember the last time a rookie catcher was on their opening day roster or even Sandy Alomar, right? I think that was like the last probably rookie started on booting day. Yeah. I had a lot of people who were like shocked when I said uh, there's a less than 10% chance Bo Naylor even starts the year with this team. It's like, look at how they used him in the postseason, right? Like he is clearly right now a better hitter than melee or hedges, but they still weren't even willing to give him a chance. Uh, he's not, that's, that shows that this team and Tito wants his vet back there. He wants someone he knows and trusts. And again, getting more seasoning and let's be honest, service time. Like he starts the year down there and it is going to benefit you in terms of avoiding deadlines. I know people are like draft picks and this or that at the end of the day, for that. Front, right? Well, no, I think he can still qualify because he's still a rookie as long as he starts the year there. But like, uh, here's the thing. A first round draft pick on average, especially in the 30s, is less valuable than one more year of team control of a good player in their 20s. Like getting that extra year of team control is going to be more valuable than a first round pick. There's, It somewhat incentivizes, but not really because uh, you're taking a complete unknown, which can be valuable versus the known. And again, uh, Tito at that position up the middle, they value defense for all the people who think like miles straw isn't going to be the starting center fielder. It's going to be Will Brennan. Like that, that's not going to happen. It's the same thing. Like they're not going to run Brennan and Naylor at those two spots. They, they're going to get a vet and then miles straw will go back out to center field and see if which version is closer to the accurate one last year's or the 2021 version. Cause that one would be incredibly valuable. So I think people need to realize, listen, Gabriel Arias, still hasn't really gotten an opportunity. They don't last year was an anomaly. There were 17 rookies. Not a lot of them got a long run. Except for Oscar. Oscar, because they didn't have any other options. Like everything fell apart and Oscar got that. And um, of course, Quan did, but again, they didn't have options and now they're, they have options. I I just don't think, like I said, this team in particular, isn't going to run a rookie catcher. Uh, out there they'll find someone even if it's just hedges again um and i get i wouldn't be shocked if it's like hedges and lavastita start the year i wouldn't be shocked by that like if they're going to run two catchers and just have nailer get uh more reps more work especially because they have all those good young arms who could be in triple a so he could get like rapport with continued rapport with some of those top end prospects yeah, I don't. I don't know if I necessarily agree that it would be Hedges and Lavastida. You know that obviously we know that happened last season out of necessity because of the injury to Maley and the lack of room on the forty-man roster. Yeah. Um, they didn't really want to create room for Sandy Leone. They just decided to go with Lavastida in limited time as they could. Lavastida had a tough year and he ended up back in Double A. And I know the injury probably played into some of that, but clearly Bo Naylor is like. I know they're not necessarily one A and one B. They are they are definitely one and two, and that's not a knock on Lavastida. I mm-hmm. I think you and I both like Brian Lavastida as a prospect a little bit, and uh, think he can have a good, solid major league career. But it's not like it's a one A one B situation. It's very clearly one two. So if they decide that uh, Bo Naylor is going to start the season in Triple A next year, I would 
probably bank on them having two external catching options. I think that you would see two new catchers. I don't think you would see Lavasti to start the year um, on the roster. Cause if Bo Naylor is not quite ready to handle that, I would probably guess Lavasti is. And I, I know you would say priority that they're willing to sacrifice yeah. his control and, and his certain development just to have him as a backup. But I think for the, if, if they didn't trust Naylor, they're not going to trust Lavastita. And I think the Naylor thing in the postseason was just Tito always wants a safety blanket with catchers. Mm-hmm. And he's so afraid to pinch it for catchers and not have a backup, which is why we both kind of not necessarily pounded the table for David Fry, but tried to make a good case for it. And it didn't happen, didn't happen yet. But no, I think that if, 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 if Naylor is not the opening day catcher with, hedges or whoever i think it's two external options to come in i think it's just hard still with this roster to clear two spots like especially if they do anything else so i think it could just be a matter of like hey we don't have a choice like that's my whole view on it like i think it's likely an external one you know i went into a whole bunch of this on saturday on twitter and we've talked so much catcher it's like i still don't think it's likely murphy you know, Zanino is fascinating. Um, if he could be healthy, I still really like Nick Fortes from the Marlins. If he's going to back up stalling, you know, uh, stalling. No, I'm blanking Jacob Stallings. Uh, Stallings. So it is Stallings. If he's going to back him up, I mean, the Marlins need relief help. That could be a deal that makes sense. Fortes, by the way, in the 90th percentile, both in pop and framing last year, as well as having a runs greater plus at 100 and being right handed. I'll just throw that. And, and yes, I did like him out of college, but I, I think they need to do some. I think they're going to do something for sure. Um, or, you know, Christian Vasquez could be another one though. It sounds like he is looking at a few other spots already. So they're probably, I just think they're going to go vet. This is how they operate. We just don't see that happening. Catchers are catchers are more flammable as prospects than pitchers. Like for as much as people are like, Oh, look out for the pitchers. It's like, no catchers are much more flammable, uh, much more likely to fail. And that's not a knock on Naylor, but that is also a front office that has that data knows that, and is going to be a little more risk adverse to throwing a guy like that, who could be special right into the fire. Would that be 10? What? No such thing as a pitching pitching prospect is 10 stop. So yeah, no such thing as a catching prospect is 10 stock. Tinsk, I don't know. It's too late for me to, to be thinking about that. Um, there's, I, we got to move on. But there, there was, there's still some room to, to make on this roster. To be honest with you, I think the idea of acquiring an external backup, who like a Nick Fortes or something, uh, in addition to whoever else comes in, I think is interesting. Um, but you could still, you know, there's still Zach Plesac rumors. Uh, there's no no guarantee Owen Miller is on this roster next season. Richie Palacios is still here. Will Will Benson's still here. Both guys you and I thought that could be some uh, take some movement to move them off the roster to create space. So there's still places they can operate on this 40 man roster. The thing is, if you go and get a Nick Fortes and you go and get a a Mike Zanino, well, I don't know. Fortes is a long term ad and Zanino's a short term ad, but um, I guess you sort of eliminate some flexibility doing something like that, but there's still some flexibility to be had and who knows who else they might trade. Yeah. And I mean, the other thing just to point out, I know we're going so long in segment one here. Uh, they never cut bait quickly. Like how many opportunities do you guys get as much as we talk about Benson and Palacios? Like those are recent ads. That's where I kind of look at them. Like they want to probably look at these guys a little bit more. And I just wonder um, where, the, but then again, if you get uh, someone like Nick Fortes, uh, you're probably trading someone already on the 40 man because it is probably like relief help to Miami because that's a big need for them. Someone like Eli Morgan um, or 
and Yale uh, would probably be somewhere in the market range for that. But um, if you don't have any other thoughts, why don't we run into our break here at the 12 minute mark and discuss one of the fantastic sponsors to help support this show, just like you, the listeners, support this show every day by listening and subscribing on YouTube. And our first fantastic sponsor of the day is a Rushmore uh, sponsor. You should know what that means anymore. That means it is our good friends over at Bet Online. Bet Online is your number one source for sports betting info, stats, news, and analysis. Get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there, from football to basketball to soccer and esports. We got it all at BetOnline.net. And if you love sports podcasts, which you obviously do, you can find those on Bet Online as well. We're the fastest and easiest way to get your betting fix. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. Bet Online, where the game starts. On top of that, I just want to say that, uh, you know, with the World Cup kicking off, there's additional fun things going on on the website. They won't mention it in the ad read. But of course, first cup of the match of the World Cup, I watched that today. You can go get more info on that. And in baseball, season might be done. You can talk about free agent odds. Do we think? Aaron Judge is going to the Dodgers. Go to Bet Online and see the odds today. Now, one of the reasons the Dodgers have money uh, is that they let go Cody Bellinger. They have a position and money. That's that's what we call it. Just running from your ad read right in there. <laughs> so, Bellinger. A lot of people ask. Uh, I'm going to tell you what I told them, and I'll see if you disagree. Uh, Cleveland does many things very well. It's a top-notch organization from top to bottom with excellent coaching and development. Who is the last hitter who had two bad years in a row or even had one bad year that wasn't a COVID year uh, that they got back on track? Like I had someone bring up Ahmed Rosario, and I want to point out Ahmed Rosario's greatest offensive season was still that year with the Mets in 2019. Like he's, he's actually, he's been solid, but his peak was then. And 2020 was a weird year for everyone. Is it Casey Blake? Is that the last time? It's not necessarily that Blake was bad. He just didn't get an opportunity. Uh, there are pitching examples, but, you know, A, they don't need to get more left-handed. B, he's got two years of declining data. And C, they don't fix hitters at the major league level that I have seen. I'd have to go and think hitters that would revive. I mean, Carlos Santana um, came back after his year with the Phillies, and he wasn't terrible with the Phillies, but he was certainly better when he came back to Cleveland, I would say after that. And he's, and he really had a down season. I'm trying to, I, I have to go. I don't know. Robert, does Roberto Perez. I mean, Roberto has Perez had one good year, but before that, I guess he was too young before that. Jan Gomes. Okay. Yeah. Jan Gomes is actually a good example. Okay. Jan Gomes, when he got here in 2013 and 2014 was a good hitter. And then he had some bad years. And I want to say 2019, or not 2019. Yeah, 2019. He was actually, uh, or was it 2018? He was actually really good. What was the last year they had him? Um, you know, I can't remember. I, I just know that he was bad. Then he was good, and they quickly sold high on him. Like, yeah, like he won. He won the Silver Slugger Award like his first season in Cleveland or his second season in Cleveland. Uh, 2014, he won the Silver Slugger Award, and then. He went on to have some pretty miserable years between them. And then 2018, he was an all-star. Um, really? was He, he was an all-star in 2018? Okay, I must have. I, Catching I, uh, is uh, pretty bad. Okay, so he had th- three th- three pretty bad years in a row. 15, 16, and 17 were all pretty bad years from offensively. 2018, he was at 103 OPS+. Plus, 
and they traded him, like you said. So I don't know. I guess that kind of counts. Do you want to count Ryan Rayburn when he had the good even year and bad odd year or whatever it was? But he did that every year. He was always an even odd guy. Yeah, that's all I could think of. I could think of Santana coming back from Philadelphia. Jan Gomes' revival in 2018. No matter what, it's a uh, it's a short list that we are stretching for one. So, yeah. Cody Bellinger, uh, do you have any interest at all? No, like you said, they don't need to get more left-handed. I mean, I, it'd be great. It'd be great to see them pick up a player of his um, potential. The problem is the gap between where he is now and his previous performance of what he actually was is so far that I don't think it makes sense for them. Where would he play? Would he play right field? DH first base, like I, I just, I assume that would be it. The only, the only upside to him is flexibility, right? Like, okay, and not he could play, he could back up center, left, right, or first base. Uh, but I agree, it just doesn't make any sense. And wherever he goes, when he picks a contract, you gotta assume it's gonna be to a team where he's guaranteed playing time. Like that's that's gotta be his number one thing. What are the odds that Aaron Judge winds up in LA with the Dodgers and Cody Bellinger winds up in New York with the Yankees? I mean, think about it. The Yankees have fixed some hitters at the major league level before. He would be a fit in that ballpark. I mean, they're going to have an opening in in the outfield. They're going to need hitting. I'm not saying he'd be their only only move, but then not their best option. But what are the odds that swap ends up happening through free agency somehow? It's not inconceivable. They have, you know, had a history of going for kind of bigger name rebounds. And yeah, they, that's while well, their pitching development's an issue hitting. It could happen. Um, should we keep pow- uh, powering through? Let's mention the two former guardians. Uh, Yu Chen Chang, uh, third time release this year. I will say like at one point in time, I had him as the fourth best prospect in the system. I really believed in the profile, the ability to walk enough with power and play defense has not worked out for him. It was funny. You and I were discussing off air one day about how good Alex Young pitched for the Giants over 26 innings. He was worth uh, 0.6 war. He had a 2.36 ERA. Uh, even his FIP was strong. I, I was kind of surprised. A lefty that was that effective. The Giants cut him, though. So that's two former Guardians uh, let go on cut down day. Should we talk Tom Smith next? Is he maybe the next biggest name? No, uh, this is another thing I got wrong because. If you listen to this podcast for a long time, you know Dom Smith was the main guy I wanted for Lindor. I loved, loved, loved him. And you go back, 2019 was was great for him. And then 2020, he was absolutely fantastic. And these last two years have been miserable. And I think if I'm a terrible team, like I've, I've seen Kansas City is after him. Perfect. Like I said, you let him play first base every day. You stop moving him all over the diamond. He was a natural first baseman coming up. He's a pretty terrible defender in the outfield. Like it is your job. Go out and play this one spot and, and see if he can rebound and you can get value. But uh, what are your thoughts on Dom Smith? Yeah, I was, a uh, I wasn't probably as big on Don, Dom Smith as you were, but I also did like him quite a bit, quite a bit. And I thought he'd be a nice piece in the Lindor trade. I agree. Someone who doesn't have their first base situation settled should go after him. I don't think Kansas city makes a lot of sense unless he's like splitting time from first base and DH, but they have Nick Prado and they have, Vinny Pasquale, you know, so you know, yeah. I would probably say, like the Yankee, well, not the I'm sorry, the Yankees, the uh, Red Sox. I guess they they have uh, they still have Hosner, but they also have uh, who's their prospect coming up that was up at the end Kristen of the year. Cassis. 
Yeah, so I guess they don't really need him. I don't know, but you're right. Somebody who has a, doesn't have a, a real solid first base situation should go out there. And Prado, like he was a left fielder as well when he was drafted. Is he potentially someone who could still? Though I know they also were playing. Uh, was an MJ Melendez playing in left? They were just playing guy. That's. I mean, honestly, like that team needs to trade Salvi if he has any trade value and just let Melendez be their catcher. Uh, if anyone wants to see an example of like how you can make a top catching prospect work in the big leagues when you already have a catcher, uh, Kansas city is doing it. I don't know if it's necessarily the right way to do it, but, um, and, and Prado. Yeah. I mean, he played across multiple levels last year. I, I don't hate if they make that choice, but yeah, Dom Smith, again, it's, it shows how weird baseball is. Look at that 2019 and that 2020 season. Then look at everything since then. And if it was just 2020, it'd be easier to be like, okay, 2020 was weird, but like 2019 was 89 games. Limited action. Yeah. Yeah. But that's been kind of oh. his story. It's been stuck with limited action almost his entire career with the Mets. I bet the Rays will probably be interested there since they offloaded Choi and they don't really have a he'd be a great platoon partner with um with Yanni Diaz. <laughs> Do they have any roster space to add him? That's a great question. I don't know. Yeah, they're one of the teams that doesn't. I, he'll find work, and yeah, yeah I don't think Cleveland. Sh- I, obviously, Cleveland should not be interested in in Dom Smith either. Well, we're gonna take another break. We're gonna come back and talk about a Tigers player who excelled, and the Chicago White Sox who let go two players who, in some places, were projected as starters for them on today's Lockdown Guardians. But first, let's take a moment here and talk about one of our fantastic sponsors, Simply Safe. If you've heard me talk about Simply Safe, it boils down to two points. One, I use U.S. News. U.S. News has named them the top security system three years in a row. So that's 2022, 2021, and 2020. We're not talking like three years in a row in the teens. It's the last three years. On top of that, this is a company that literally advertises on every single podcast you have ever listened to. Why can they do that? Because they're a successful company uh, who is smart and knows that podcasts are where people are listening they know where to spend their advertising dollars they know what's going to get them the best bang for their buck and then they reinvest that in their company not just in you know fantastic uh ad reads like this but also in advanced technology like fast protect which is exclusively from simply safe which allows them to capture critical evidence and verify a threat is real so they can send police to respond don't miss your chance to save big on the only security system i recommend Get 50% off any new Simply Safe system at Simply Safe. That's S I M P L I S A F E F E. I don't know why they came out weird there. Dot com backslash locked on MLB. This is their biggest discount of the year, so don't wait. That's Simply Safe.com backslash locked on MLB. There is no safe like Simply Safe. And let's come back with uh, Candelario. I thought this was a weird cut by the uh, Tigers just because who else are they going to put there? This is not a team with a ton of depth. He's only 7.5 million. Uh, If he rebounds, they could have traded him. If he doesn't, it's a one more year and he's a switch hitter. He's 28 defensively. He's a bit of a mess, but again, uh, 2021 was really solid for him. And 2020 was again, a weird year, but solid. The entire Tigers stunk in general. It's like they got a, curse on them or something i i don't know how to describe i mean everyone failed for that tigers team like at a historical level i would have kept him if i was the tigers uh for cleveland he doesn't make a ton of sense because he's pretty bad defender at third has really only played third a switch hitter um 
does hit lefties better than righties if you're looking at it that way. But uh, thoughts on Condelario, another name that uh, came up multiple times uh, once he was let go. I would be surprised if anybody gave him a major league deal coming off the season he just had. I know the the average on balls in play were, were pretty down for him, but, well, that's not sure. Maybe somebody – I mean, someone might give him a one-year deal. He still had 13 home runs, and he does have some versatility. He's played other positions in the past. He would be an interesting choice for Cleveland if Cleveland wasn't looking for bigger fish. Like, I, I think that would be like a – a very worst case scenario option. Like, okay, we struck out on anybody else that we were interested in, in terms of improving the offense. So we'll give Jamer Candelario a shot, uh, depending on what's out there. I mean, he's certainly not going to command a ton. I would imagine it'll be what a one-year contract at best, given the season he just had, but he had two bad. I mean, I guess, I don't know if how much you want to throw out 2020 considering he had a good year, but it was also a, a weird year for everybody, but I mean, very valuable. If he can repeat 2021, that's a good season. And I would be curious to see if he can play some first base and some third base to give Jose a day off and, and DH. But I think that has to be like, you're playing D almost if you're Cleveland, but uh, yeah, he might make an interesting rebound case for somebody. Yeah. It feels like a, a one year contract where he gets like two, three mil and then has like $5 million in incentives or something like that to allow him to get back to what he got. We've seen similar things. Uh, let's talk White Sox guys. Cause Adam Ingle has been a player they have leaned on um, for the last six years and he hasn't been particularly good. And this year he was particularly awful, but it was interesting to see them cut bait with him. And then also to cut bait with, Danny Mendick, who in some places was projected to be their starting second baseman next year, uh, who had a pretty good year for them. Again, very limited sample, but when you're looking at they let Mendick, Harrison, and um, Ingle go, and this is a team that does not have great depth, does not have great options, and is not willing to spend, I don't know, like maybe the White Sox are just going to start diving full bore into this non-tendered player market because I don't know where they're going to find a full roster right now. I mean, Rami Gonzalez is their second baseman on a roster resource. Oscar Colas is now promoted to being their right fielder. That's not what they usually do on roster resource for promote a bunch of rookies, uh, but they didn't have a choice. Yeah. I don't know where they're going to go. I mean, I'm not, do you, do you know the numbers, what they were projected to get in arbitration or were they um, even were they even arb eligible is my question uh, like, they were uh, i can tell you what they were but they weren't big money guys and like when they harrison was like maybe three or four million in savings mendick was one million and uh ingle was 2.3 so they saved 3.3 million i would guess and they also they might have cut crick so that was another 1.5 so that gets them up to like almost five million dollars they saved yeah, I mean, they already said there was a report that they were only going to maybe bump the payroll like $10 million from what it was last season. So this gives them a little bit of flexibility. And a team trying to win the AL Central should not be playing Adam Engel as more than a fourth outfielder. And I guess a million dollars for a fourth outfielder is worth cutting. And Or he was going to make two. And then Danny Mendick, they, they should be upgrading second base somehow. I don't know how they're going to do it, but... Um, they should be upgrading second base. So I guess it makes sense to just cut and see what they can do. I mean, they 
their options are going to be limited if they're not going to spend more than ten million. If that's true, and they don't have a great system to trade from, I guess it depends on on how they go about it. So I guess for them, it was more about the little flexibility they can create in terms of um, opening up some some space in the salary that they are or not going to spend. The thing I would worry about with the Adam Engel thing for them is he's not a great hitter. Obviously, he's had some success offensively, but not a lot. Um, Yohan Mankata and Luis Robert, or I'm sorry, not Yohan Mankata, Eloy Jimenez and Luis Robert have both dealt with injuries the last couple of years. And I know maybe some of them were a little bit fluky, but you're going to need some sort of depth for them, I think. Like, you can't assume those guys are going to play a full season because they don't think they have. Uh, if they have, it's not been a lot at consecutive full seasons. So um, you would think they would want some, some depth to cover that. And maybe Oscar Colas is enough and maybe... I don't know where Yoelki Cespedes is in their pipeline, but uh, you would think they would want some depth. So at the very least, I don't know. Wouldn't be surprised if they they call Adam Engel back to see if he comes back. That's about all I can think of. Uh, just a quick hitter on these three names here. One, listen, someone might bring up Eric Fetty. He's got a negative career war. He's not been good, so we'll move on. Brian Anderson, uh, I did and multiple times like him and talk about him on this show. But it's been a solid decline these last two years. I think we both agree. No on Anderson. I don't see why. I was not big on him to begin with. Um, I'm certainly not now that he has declined the last couple of years. Jorge Alfaro is... Hey, my internet is just wanting to cause problems. Uh, My internet agrees. Jorge Alfaro, not a good choice. But one of your favorites, we should end with Luke Voigt. Uh, I know how much you like Luke Voigt. So I'll just leave that to you. Yeah, don't don't think that's going to be an option for anybody, especially not in Cleveland. <laughs> I have very little to to add about Luke Voigt. Truthfully, that was a great setup by Jeff. Uh, so, basically, thanks but no thanks with everyone who was non-tendered. There wasn't a whole lot there. Alex Reyes was the one guy in the National League that, like, I'd kind of like to see what Cleveland's pitching could do um, with him. That is that is my one guy. Uh, there's control issues, but man, the stuff is electric. I, he's the one player where it's like, hey, they got an open spot. That would be my one target. And he thought, I, I lied. I got one more guy because uh, Alex Reyes. Uh, agree with my take, disagree. I think it's just foolhardy and I'm obsessed with a fastball. No, I mean, he's got a uh, pedigree for sure, and he's had some success. I mean, out of all the guys that were let go, um, I would definitely be interested in him. Any any interest in while we're on that subject? Any interest in Aristides Arquino? No, yeah. never have. Never always thought he was hugely overrated because he had that good month. Yeah, um, yeah, he's a DH. Uh, but yeah, no, I I was like, hey, maybe you can turn Reyes into a bullpen weapon, and then it makes it even easier to make a trade with the bullpen piece. But yeah, those are the main ones. Oh, I do want to before we go today say I reached out to and talked with an agent. We will have a current member of the Guardians 39-man roster on the show at some point in the next few weeks. i got to do a little bit more legwork. It is not Hunter Gaddis again. It's going to be a new face um, from the roster who's going to come in and talk. So we're excited about that. Make sure you are tuning in, downloading daily. Like and subscribe on the tubes of you uh, in terms of our weekly update on the YouTubes. We are sitting at 885, so that means we need 115 more of your friends, family, uh, siblings, I mean, that I guess that counts as family. Uh, but whatever you can do, help us out. Uh, sign up 
on YouTube or just download daily. We appreciate it. What everyone does. And let's hurry up and end this the same way we always do. Go, go, Guardians, go.